It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What up, Let's Talk Cheer podcast listeners? This episode is going to be a little bit different, and even this part right here is a little bit different, something I don't think I've ever done before. But I felt that it was appropriate to do so. There's all these allegations going on right now about Rockstar and Scott Foster. And just, you know, if you have not been living under a rock, you totally know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I got on with Dan Cotton, who is actually the guest for today. We got on about two weeks ago prior to this recording. Now, I decided to wait to hold off what you're hearing right now is the Monday before this actually releases. So if you are listening to this right now, right, if you listen on a Tuesday, if your normal day to listen to the podcast is a Tuesday, it is, you know, 24 hours before that. It's the Monday before that. So I try to get this as close to the release as possible. Um, Because Dan and I recorded the rest of the episode probably about two weeks ago or so and since then more information has come out and more information has come out and it kind of seems like not that this information is irrelevant but that there's just there's just so much information out now or more information out now that it's like man like what is going on so I wanted to make sure that I gave a fresh perspective knowing With the current information that we have now. Now, I don't read all of the lawsuits. I've watched one of the press conferences. I've not read any of the lawsuits. I skimmed through one. And I don't typically keep up too much on, you know, what's going on and all the, you know, all the posts online. So I'm not super well versed on all of this. But... You know, I just did want to give, I wanted to make sure that if anything like major, major came out, that I had a fresh opinion on it and that, you know, things weren't um, outdated. So people keep asking me, you know, my opinion. And right now I'm just going to ramble and talk into a microphone for who knows how long. I have no idea how long I'm going to talk and, you know, we'll see what happens. But people uh, keep asking me my opinion. People reach, hey, Jason, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And I'm sure I cover this in the podcast eventually, but my opinion, especially since so many names have been released and that it's not just Rockstar and Scott Foster involved in this current lawsuit, um, just seeing the names be released, my heart is just broken for these athletes and for this industry and for the families. It's just... I'm just, I I truly am, I am heartbroken for, again, for the athletes, for the families, and for this industry, and just everything going on. It just saddens me so much to see this going on, and just how pervasive it has been in the industry, and that, you know, families can't feel like they can send their their athletes 
to be a part of a sport without their children being preyed on, you know? And so it's just, it breaks my heart to see how many people have put themselves in position to make, you know, bad choices over and over and over again. And, you know, it just saddens me. Um, you know, people want to know, and I think I cover this a little bit eventually in the podcast, in the actual episode, but people want to know about, you know, you know, varsity has been named in the lawsuit and USASF has been named in the lawsuit. And are we going to continue with varsity and USASF? And as I told our parents, yeah, we're going to, we're still going our normal competition schedule, which does include, well, all USASF events, but a majority of varsity events will still continue our normal schedule. Um, you know, I saw lots of people, you know, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, I guess the first one is, I don't believe that there's another you know, I guess the only other organization, I guess we can go completely independent, which doesn't make really a lot of sense to me. Because people are saying, you know, Varsity and USASF dropped the ball on this, so we're going to go completely independent. And I don't think, you know, I'm not sure if there was an independent event producer that was not allowing Rockstar to compete at their... I, I don't know what the difference between these independent event producers what they have done differently, and I doubt they did anything differently than what Varsity and USA, USASF have been doing these last however many years that we've been in the industry. And I don't believe that right now the WASF, which would be the only other um, governing body I guess we could associate ourselves with, I don't believe that they, one, could have prevented this and to really have the infrastructure to do anything differently right now so you know and and given the information that i have right now i don't feel me personally feel that usasf or varsity are at fault for this now new information might come out and it might make me go oh man i really need to reconsider you know my stance on this and our stance as a gym moving forward but from what I've heard, and again, this is just what I've heard. Um, I have not heard anything that makes me think, oh, yeah, this is totally Varsity's fault. This is definitely at the feet of the USASF. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, USASF is or Varsity's involved with the with the lawsuit because they have competitions that are out of state, which force, you know, hotel stays. And because there's hotel stays, you know, athletes are put in this position to be compromised. And, you know, I follow the logic, but I just don't, I just don't buy that. I just don't buy that, that that is therefore varsity's fault. Um, you know, every sport has, or at least all sports at elite levels, you know, there's travel baseball and football and travel basketball and soccer. There's all these travel sports that, you know, I don't know, I can go off on a tangent forever. But saying that because varsity has out of state or out of town competitions, that this is varsity's fault. Um you know, I, I again that's just not something that I personally buy. Um 
I heard that varsity, you know, this is varsity's fault because they give rebate checks back to owners, right? You attend so many competitions, the check, you know, owners get a, a check back at the end of, you know, a rebate check, right? And so because of the rebate check, you know, varsity incentivize gyms to have more kids in their gym. And I just think, isn't that the point? of business is to have more kids in your gym, to have more customers buy your product. And so again, that just doesn't, I just don't follow that line of thinking that because Varsity gives a rebate check, that this is Varsity's fault because, you know, Scott Foster was then incentivized to have more kids in his gym. Every gym owner is incentivized to have more kids in their gym. Um, That's, that's what doing business is about is having more customers buy your product. And so again, more information might come out where I go, Oh no. Yeah, I can, you know, that is clearly varsity's fault. Um, or USAS S fault. I, I see why they were entangled in this. You know, what, what could they say that made me go, Oh yeah, they, if, if varsity and or USASF known or USASF, you know, one of the two, if they, flat out knew they knew knew right they know they beyond a shadow of a doubt they knew that these things were taking place then then i would go oh yeah you know if one of those parties knew then i go oh, yeah um they knew and they allowed it and people can say, oh well they knew they knew if they knew and and here's the other argument i guess if they knew he would have been arrested right like what right? Like he would have been arrested already. And we've talked about this on other podcasts when this happened, when that, um, I can't remember that the HBO special, I can't remember what the name of it was, but we did it. We did a special or a special, we did an episode on it last year sometime. But if they knew, if they had enough evidence that this was going on, I feel like, you know, all parents would have went to local authorities first and they would have done something about it, right? And, you know, the USASF is the governing body of cheerleading, but they're, you know, they're not cops and they're not detectives and they're not not law enforcement, right? And there's only so much, at least in my opinion, that they can do without law enforcement doing their job first. So I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to say that they are completely innocent of everything because I don't know I don't know what they know, I don't know what I don't know, but it's hard for me to be so angry at the USASF and varsity as some people are when you know these bad people are doing bad things. They can only, you know, and they are, Dan Cotton said this on his podcast, but they're a reactionary. They can only react. They they can't, it's hard for them to be a proactive, you know, group of people. They can only react to situations. Um, so anyway, but again, I said this before, but as information changes, um, I have a right to change my opinion. And as all of you guys, it's that as information changes, you have the right and you should change your opinion um as new information comes in so um i don't know i had some 
I will say this because I did say this. I do say this later on in the podcast, but I guess I want to emphasize it. Well, this part I didn't say on the podcast because it hadn't happened yet. But coaches and gym owners, um, you know, have those hard conversations with your with your families and with your athletes. You know, I had to get, I'd have two, well, several awkward conversations with our athletes, right? I had to sit them down after practice and talk to them about everything that was going on and just about, you know, red flags and, and just about compromising situations that they can find themselves in and, you know, try not to put yourself in those compromising situations, you know? Um, you know, and they had to have, you know, an awkward conversation with our parents, but I think that we need to make sure this is the part I did say on the podcast. We need to make sure that we are drawing hard lines in the sand about between our personal lives and our professional lives and that, you know, that we don't blur those lines. Um, I remember Mike Williams told me this and he's the owner at American. I remember he told me this and it, it kind of tracks a little bit, but I, I just remember all, I just remember him saying this and it just stuck with me. It was like one of our first times meeting with Mike, Ashley and I, and we like went out to dinner or something like that. And Ashley said something like, Oh yeah, they were, you know, these family, yeah, they were our friends. And I remember Mike said, he corrected her, he said, your customers. He said, and they, they're your customers. And they remind you that they're your customers when you make a decision that they don't like. And even though it's not really on track with here, but you know, we've got to remember that there, there's a line that should not be crossed. And I think that that coaches put themselves in these positions when those lines start to blur, when they start, you know, when things start getting more personal. And so, you know, I was telling the kids, I was telling the kids that there shouldn't be, the conversations that you have with the adults in your life shouldn't really go too much further than what their role is in your life, right? So if I'm a cheer coach, my conversations with the athletes shouldn't go too much further than cheerleading, right? We talk about cheerleading, and of course, it's okay for me. Hey, you know, how's school going? How are your parents doing, right? We can ask these things, but the further and further we get away from cheerleading, the more red flags should be going up, right? And if you're talking to your math teacher, and I, you know, I told the kids, I don't know the rules. I have no idea if your math teachers are allowed to have your phone numbers or what's going on nowadays, but let's just say they are allowed to have your phone numbers, but your your conversations should stick with math, right? And they should be about math. And maybe they'll ask how your parents are doing or maybe they'll ask how you're doing in some of your other classes. But if your teachers are starting to, if your math teacher is starting to initiate conversations and it's not really talking about math and school and, you know, or college or whatever any longer, then that is a red flag. And so coaches and and gym owners, well, gym owners really stress this to your to your staff and especially your young staff. And that's where uh, coaches are really the most vulnerable. 
is they were in this place where they were just on a team with the athletes and now they're in this position but you know all of their friends are on the team right and they still feel like they can go and hang out and and do the same thing as they used to do um but our coaches need to know that they've got to they've got to draw that again they've got to draw a hard line in the sand and go no these are now athletes I am now, you know, a coach and an authority figure. I'm an adult and I cannot have these types of relationships and put myself in those positions. And the same things with our athletes, you know, parents stress to your athletes that, you know, that they can't have these types of personal relationships with their coaches. And and I get it. We all want to have close, tight-knit relationships and and you know, be a family, right? But we, yeah, I don't know if it's worth it to put anyone in that type of vulnerable position because lines get blurred, and and one thing leads to another, and they find themselves in in a compromised situation. So, anyway. I just rambled on for 20 minutes or so. We still got a whole episode ahead of you. Um, we haven't even gotten to the real, the, to the intro yet. But, you know, I just, I pray for the athletes. I pray for our industry. And, um, all right, let's just get to the rest of the show. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. And I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on, let's begin. This is episode number 75. Not sure if there's going to be a 76, but thank you for joining. We actually had a different episode planned for episode 75, but with everything going on with the allegations at Rockstar, decided to move in a different direction. So I reached out to Dan Cotton, friend of the show, owner of Oregon Dream Team's police officer, and he actually has his own podcast himself, the Next Gen People and Profits podcast. So if you're a gym owner and you want to know more about running the actual business, check out his podcast. But again, in light of recent events, we decided to sit down and have a chat. So we talk about just guidelines that families and gyms and coaches and gym owners and athletes can can set up not to put themselves in compromising positions. But before we get into that, do us a favor and share this podcast with a gym owner. Gym owner, share it with your staff. Parents, share it with other parents, and let's get this information out there. And real quick, I can't let an episode go by without giving a shout-out to our monthly supporters. Y'all are the best, so shout-out to Sheila, Sarah, my mother, Caroline, and our newest supporter, Robin. So, Robin, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. If it's your first time here, thank you for checking out the show. You'll want to subscribe to the show. We always have great, interesting conversations going on. Uh, We bring on awesome guests. 
like our guests that we have on today. I'm the cheer director at American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone is a guy that I actually lean on a lot, a great role model, a great thought leader in the industry. He's the man, Dan Cotton. All right, guys, so we have a special little little uh what do they call these things collaborations a little collab episode going on today so you know we got the let's talk cheer podcast and we have the man the myth the legend dan cotton of the oregon dream teams dan tell the people about your podcast real quick uh absolutely well my podcast is uh called the next gen people and profits podcast and we're really focused on the business side of things um uh, while also owning ODT and running a camp company, I am lucky enough to be a part owner in a company that does consulting for gym owners. And our sole focus is helping gym owners run better gyms and deliver a better product for their clients, uh, gaining more loyalty from their clients, and being able to make a living in cheer, which uh, ultimately will keep the better people in cheerleading if they're able to sustain their lives and sustain um their families and it's actually a value add for them. Uh, so that's really our focus is helping gym owners grow their gyms, impact more lives positively and, um, be able to make a profit and pay their staff well and pay themselves well and turn this industry all we all love, uh, into an actual career that benefits them. There we go. And real quick, um, I got to give a shout out to the Facebook page, the, the group page, the next gen. What, what's the, the Facebook? The next gen. Uh, it's uh, NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners. There we go. So shout out to that. It's actually, I talk about ASGA a lot on on the podcast, but it, honestly, I really like that Facebook group because it's so, so much less drama. It's actually like real questions, you know. Like, yep. hey, how do we do this and do this? So it's significantly less drama. So yep. if you're looking for a really good Facebook page, especially if you're a gym owner, that is one that I would uh, hop on for sure. Yeah, we have one for coaches as well. So we have uh, a cheer and gymnastics owners, and then we have a uh, 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 next gen uh, coaches page. I believe it's next gen coaches or cheer coaches. Um, all-star and cheer coaches, I believe. Uh, so that's a good page as well. And again, it's less drama on it. It's much more just kind of, you know, what are you, what are you struggling with as a coach and how can we help and, yeah. and working as a community to answer those questions. There we go. All right. So let's hop into this. Um, yesterday I called you. Yes. Um, actually, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell a story. So please, <laughs> I used to work at Cal Baptist University and the one of the associate athletics directors, his name was Michael Scarano. He was the compliance officer. And so for those of you guys who don't know, compliance, at least for like an NCAA, you know, school, he just made there's lots of rules when it comes to recruiting athletes. There's certain times when you can text them or call them or email them or send letters to them. There's all these like very specific rules when it comes to recruiting athletes to your, to your school. Right. And so he made sure that we were all in like all the biggest fines that happen in NCAA are like these broken rules when it comes to compliance. And so, you know, impermissible benefits, like right. Giving kids cars and stuff like that. When you hear about that, right. like on ESPN and stuff. So 
he always made sure like we were on top of the rule because it's it's a very long list of things. Anyway, anytime something would happen where someone broke a compliance rule, like nationwide, he would we had staff meetings every other Tuesday. And so he'd mm-hmm. come in and go, hey, guys, um, USC, USC football coach just did this. Remember, you guys aren't allowed to give a kid a Mercedes, you know, when they come here or whatever. Hey, guys. It's actually um, almost accurate to what was happening in that era at yeah, USC. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just saw a post of Reggie Bush that made me think of it, right? Yeah. So, but he, I mean, he would do that all the time and just go, hey, you know, this is going on. Like, you know, the the golf team at Florida just mm-hmm. did this. You're not supposed to do that. Like, make sure you're not doing it. And he would just always, it was constant reminder of anytime someone broke a compliance rule, especially if it made national rule or national news, he would remind us. So then I thought that was great. And I started doing it with our staff. Anytime there was some, you know, some big news I thought could be a good learning lesson for our staff. I go, hey guys, this happened. We need to make sure that we're not doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, this yeah. just happened in industry. Make sure you're not doing this. Make sure you're not doing this. Anyway, long story, even longer. I read, I can't remember what page I saw it on, but one of the Facebook pages I saw, Hey, you should, you should be telling this to your parents. Right. And I never thought about bringing this type of news to our parents. So obviously there's been some, some allegations in the industry and it's probably the biggest allegations we've heard of at least in a while. It's definitely the the talk of the town right now. I think it's the biggest ever. Yeah. Ever. There we go. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is something that, you know, I do it with our staff and maybe it's time for me to do it with our parents as well. And so I'm getting to that part of the email. I'm actually thinking about doing a video, but I get to that part of the email and I'm like, I should call Dan because I feel like Dan would have the right words to say. And so here we are making it for everyone. And so, yeah. What's up, Dan? Yeah. So, I mean... (sighs) You, it may have been one of my posts that you saw saying you should talk to your parents about these things. Uh, I'm a big uh, parent education fan. I believe that you can um, alleviate a lot of the struggles that owners have by just communicating more with parents and making sure they understand what's going on because they're thinking about it. So you can either educate them or you can have them continuing to not know what's going on. And um, I know a lot of owners or, and coaches are like, I don't want the, the parents to know because then they're going to ask me more questions. Well, I would rather someone ask me an informed question than ask that, you know, that annoying question of, you know, that video of when is Susie going to get her back handspring? Um, or I think it, the, the old, old video was when is she going to get her TikTok? Uh, I don't know if you remember that cartoon that someone put together. Oh, it's very funny. Um, But it was, you know, it's an uninformed parent. Yeah, like the cartoon? Yeah, it's the two cartoons talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like years ago. Yeah, Yeah, it was like a decade. Yeah. Um, But if when when you have well-informed parents, you can have well-informed discussions. And it also eliminates a lot of the questions. So we do, I mean, we do parent education on tumbling technique. We do parent education on choreography and the score sheet. And, uh, you actually, you had a mom on your podcast. I can't remember her name, but she was very well informed about mm-hmm. cheer. She knew the score sheet and she, I think got eventually certified as a judge. Cause she just got curious about it. Um, from what I remember of the podcast, I was listening to it when I was at camp and, um, 
she was really well informed and that's a value add for your program. So this is another one of those things when something big like this is happening, I think it's important to talk to your families about it and educate them on what's going on and what you do in your facility to keep their athletes safe. Yeah. So what exactly I know you just said, but let's, let's unpack it. Um, and real quick, Dan, although this is on both of our platforms, this is second, you're the first, you're the first time, this is the first time we've had a repeat guest on the show. So Dan, you're one of our most popular episodes. I tell you that Winning. all the time and, and now you're back. So, and now I'm on your podcast. Shout out to all the next gen people. And, and business. your, your uh, episode is actually one of our most popular episodes. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Maybe uh, the world is saying we need to do a collab or something like that yeah, more often. Um, so, yeah, and for those that haven't listened to the other episode, uh, my my background is I've been in law enforcement for the last 15 years. Uh, I spent uh, a number of years working directly in the schools where a lot of my efforts were dedicated to uh, social media investigations um, and stopping situations where uh, children were being victimized, uh, whether it be online or by coaches or relatives or, or someone who was committing crimes against children. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, schools, that's like a fun and chill job. And I kind of thought it was going to be at first, uh, you know, go out at lunch, hang out, talk to the kids, make some relationships. And very quickly, I was, my eyes were opened to, sadly, all the bad things that go on uh, in our world and how often children are are victims of crimes. Now, no one like burn down the house and, and lock their kids inside and do any of that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But there are there are bad things that occur and we want to protect our, our athletes and our children uh, from those as best we possibly can. So that's my background. Um, you said to unpack it, uh, what we were talking about. So I'm assuming you want to go into some more detail of like, what are some of the things we should be talking about? Uh, yeah, that we do? I think we'd start there. Let's start there. What, what's the, I, I think first, what should gym owners be addressing with their parents? Yeah, well, so my my actual first step recommendation would be, if you're a gym owner, head over to our Facebook page. We actually put out a completely free, like you can grab it, uh, risk assessment form to look at what your what you have going in your facility and where you're potentially exposed to risk, and so. I actually, I, I have that. So we can go through some of the, our suggestions and recommendations. And the number one, which I think will lead to some discussion, uh, is all practices are open and visible. Mm-hmm. Parents should be able to watch the, and see their child at all times. And it's even better if they can actually hear what's going on. Um, and do you do that? That's like a checkbox. Um, and that would be something I would mention for safety. Our practices are open and visible. We don't do any instruction without multiple adults in the gym, you know, and parents being able to watch if they want to. And obviously they don't have to. We asked, actually asked this question, uh, made a little blog post about it. And it was surprising how many people commented that they would not allow parents to yeah. watch. And I was on that post. I saw mm-hmm. the post. I commented on it. And, you know, and you had a unique perspective. Once upon- once upon a time, you know, I was like, yo, we should, every practice should be closed, you know? And 
as I've just gotten older, I'm like, why are we closing? Like, why are we really closing practices? And, you know, impaired, you know, and I saw a lot on that post say, well, the kids get distracted and I get it. And I, and I see it all the time. Kids look in the lobby and looking uh, to their parents for approval, but their parents are going to be there at competitions, you know? Um, And I just, it just started rubbing me the wrong way that we were telling parents as a whole, right? The whole, all parents, you can't watch your kid, you know? And, you know, so I've lightened up a lot on closed practices. Um, and, you know, and we've still closed practices when you know, sometimes there's chatter in the lobby, like a lot sure. of chatter in the lobby. And we go, hey, you know, we're, we're going to shut down this specific practice. But I think as a general rule, I don't think the general rule should be that you have a closed practice. Like why, why let that situation? I, I know it just it, as I've gotten older, it just doesn't make sense to me that you would as- permanently close all your practices. As a parent, I can't imagine dropping my kids off with a group of adults and being told, you can't know what's going on here, mm-hmm. right? We'll tell you what you need to know. That yeah. does not make me comfortable as a parent. Um, I want to, I not that I need to be there to watch everything, but to know that you're like, no, yeah, come on in, come, come watch. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Anything that I do or say as a coach, I should be willing to do or say in front of the parents. Yeah. Now I know one of the the big um, <clears throat> big things people talk about is kids get distracted, uh, which your point very valid, like right? Like parents are going to be at competitions and they need to learn how to deal with distraction, anyways. And that's a conversation to have. Hey, parent, stop coaching your kid through the window or from mm-hmm. the the upper level or whatever. Um, but you know, additionally. Um, there is the, the like, well, they're going to ask questions when I move kids around and when I, when I change a formation or why did so-and-so not fly um, is another argument. Okay, well, again, that goes back to parent education and having those discussions ahead of time or that evening. Because like, you know, as a coach, if you pull Susie out of the air and replace her spot, you're getting a phone call. Yeah. Right, whether the parents there to watch it or they're not, there's gonna be questions almost a hundred percent of the time. So if they're there and they are watching practices and seeing them not do well, then you're like, you can have that discussion. Hey, look, they were you watched, they were dropping seventy five percent of the time. I I am trying to do them a favor so their teammates don't hate them at competition when they don't hit the stunt, they get a deduction, they don't, they aren't successful. Yeah. And, and we you actually don't get the kids' version of the story getting back exactly, to the parents, right? We actually, I've experienced both sides because during COVID, we had to close our lobby. We had to be very restrictive, and so we did not have our lobby open. I had more parent conversations during our year of closed practices due to COVID restrictions than I have had in the years that I've had them open, and it mm-hmm. and the parents were delusional. I had one that was like, I can't believe you, you took this stunt away from her. It was a level four athlete, great kid, great mom. She always asks a lot of questions though. Um, she's just one of those people you kind of are prepared for to come out hot and then you got to work your way through it. But she was super frustrated and she was like, she's hitting all her stunts. She's doing all this stuff. And like daughter is literally on the phone, like in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what you don't understand is that the sequence she's doing right now is level two. Like it's all watered down 
And when we try to upgrade it, even when I put a male coach underneath her, that male coach can't hit the stunt with her. And she was like, what? She's, you know, turns around. She's like, you can't hit it with a man underneath you. Yeah. And she was like, uh, and she goes, you've been telling me you've been hitting it every time. And she's like, well, I was like, well, she has, she's been hitting the level two sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and if she had been at practices, that conversation would have been totally different. So I, I just think those things are, and again, this is a safety checklist, not a, is your life easier checklist because yes parent conversations are annoying those things are annoying you know what's worse an allegation of physical or sexual abuse Mm -hmm. so that's what this risk assessment is about is is preventing those things uh the second one is all staff undergo background checks and it should Mm be uh, anyone who interacts with your kids anyone who's in your facility as a staff member should have undergone a background check and they should undergo a background check annually. Yeah. And that's a, that's something that a lot of owners kind of neglect because they do cost money, but Mm -hmm. things change in a year. And uh, it is possible that someone you hired five years ago, maybe got in trouble and didn't tell you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Annual this background is, this checks. This is just to our um, American families, for our American listeners, which I'm assuming I will tell you later, but I'm going to tell you right now. So this might be the first or second time hearing this. But we are getting new background checks done at American. And I just talked to our HR. We have an HR department. And okay. I was talking to her. And so, hey, Jason, just want to let you know we're getting – we need background checks. And I was like, does the check – and they need to be done by this company. Like we're not accepting the – USASF ones and it wasn't and she didn't say we're not accepting USASF we're just like it, it doesn't matter where your other background checks came from we're now doing it through you know this specific company and blah blah mm-hmm. blah, blah blah and I was like so our USASF ones don't count anymore she's like no you guys can't use those is because we used to just like hey we already got background check through this company like yep. my staff doesn't need to get you know anyway yeah. so we're getting new background checks that will be you know we'll be getting those done here shortly just for all of our American cheer families and and background checks are great, but they are they are not the be all end all. Um, from from someone who's worked in criminal enforcement, you deal with people all the time who have no criminal history, who have now committed significant crimes. So, <clears throat> a background check does not mean that someone is is never going like that they're safe and they're perfect and everything's good it means mm-hmm. they haven't committed any crimes yet that they've been arrested for right like yeah and a lot of times it's not even just arrested it's convicted mm-hmm. uh and so it really depends on what background check you run and the reality is is that background checks are semi-flawed um a lot of people f- be are mistaken in that they think it's like when they watch um, CSI or any of those shows where there's like some awesome database that some super mm-hmm. cool witty nerd can like type on a computer and pull up everything about you. Those things don't exist. Mm-hmm. Our systems don't talk to each other very well. Um, there are a few like universal um, systems uh, in terms of like criminal databases. 
and they, mm-hmm. they track very specific things. So a lot of stuff can get missed. And uh, there are, yeah. there are municipalities and cities and things that don't report to them. So things could get missed and other countries might have information. Maybe someone got arrested in Canada or, or Mexico or something like that. And that information doesn't get to the U S databases. So they're not a be all end all. They're just, they are an important step to have in place because they absolutely do help. There we go. All right. So what should we, um, all right, let's keep going down. You want to keep going down the risk assessment? Yeah, 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 yeah. You should have a three-person concept that requires two adults in your gym at all times. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really simple one. And ideally, I know this is going to sound annoying, and I actually, reading through it, I was like, actually, I don't have that in my policy. The two people should not be related or married. Mm-hmm. So you should have a uh, a system in place that doesn't allow for coaches to be alone in the gym, uh, with another athlete, they need to have another adult. And that other adult should not be like a brother, sister, cousin, or husband or wife, because the, the argument is who are you going to make sure you take care of as, as a husband? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have your wife's back. Right. For sure. And, and vice versa. Now you and I both sit there and go, yeah, but that would, nothing would ever happen. So it's like, and I did the same thing. There are times where me and Tori are alone in the gym with an athlete, you know, waiting for mom and dad to come pick him up. And I've never thought about that being even a slight risk factor. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, hmm, that's actually valid. And this current situation, there are yeah. allegations that the spouse knew at least um, tacitly what was going on. Mm-hmm. So that would be so, another one. And that is just... It's two adults when two unrelated adults when there's just one athlete there, right? Uh, yes, yeah. So now this they we kind of recommend two adults in general. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not feasible, right? Like there are times where I'm coaching my team and my co-coach isn't there, but there's 28 kids mm-hmm. and two parents in the lobby. So yeah, we also have done it where you know, private lessons, there should be two adults or like two, two staff members, or there's at least like the, the parent needs to stay and watch the lesson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Cause generally if it's coach, athlete and parent, if the parent is there, it's pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. So we walk on down. Yeah. Uh, next, next, next one. Staff should have social media guidelines and understand the repercussions of those, uh, those actions. Um, and we kind of go into more detail that your staff should have a written policy, uh, and understand they are not to like DM athletes on social media. Uh, they shouldn't be, they, we talked about this on our last episode, but Snapchat is a hard no, like Mm -hmm. just no, they don't have it. Um, and, and they, if they have it, they don't have it with any athletes at all. I realize that your younger coaches are like, yeah, but now I can track them when they're not at practice. I can pull up their map and I can see that they're at the mall and not here. Um, anything that is designed to go away and delete, um, is just bad news. And it, it opens you up for allegations too. I tell my staff this all the time. I go, you know, yeah, you haven't done anything wrong, but they can say you 
like, yeah, you sent them a picture of your foot mm-hmm. while you were sitting at the gym, you know, with people in the background, they can say that photo was an inappropriate image. Yeah. Right. You just open the door for so many problems. So just don't, don't have it. And believe it or not, I don't have Snapchat and my life is no worse for the wear. <laughs> Ditto. Yeah, so, sure, um, you know, the social media, one has been a long ongoing discussion in our industry, um, they kind of came out with some initial rules way back about three years ago where they were like, you can't have, you can't follow athletes. You can't talk to athletes. They can't follow you like just hard stop, no interaction. Well, that's a little silly. Like I want to know what my athletes are doing on social media. So like Mm -hmm. the gym follows as many of them as I can on Instagram and those things, because I want to see what they're posting. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, and I have even just this year, I've made interventions. I've talked to kids have been like, Hey, you keep posting all these like pictures that aren't really representing you in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like what, even though you're not showing yourself doing anything bad, it insinuates when you post pictures at 2am of you and your friends out in a field, like looking all dazed and confused. Yeah. That, that leads people to go, Hmm, what are they doing? So there can be good stuff in just seeing their accounts, but coaches shouldn't be DMing kids and having private offline conversations on social media and those kind of things. No, I hear you. And just to bring it up, um, you know, I think I think coaches to protect yourselves draw hard lines in the sand. You know, and you know the USASF said no. You know, don't follow them. And, and I'm sure there are plenty of coaches that follow their athletes, but I, I didn't follow my athletes for a long, like way before USASF said, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was, you know, a no, no, but you know, this is very true. I just now started following, well, you know, Bailey, I just mm-hmm. now started following Bailey and one of our other coaches, Claire, I'm not sure if you've met Claire, um, Bailey and Claire, are both 22, 23 years old. Um, you know, they used to cheer for me, right. Yep. Years ago when they were younger. Right. They graduated, started coaching for us, never followed them on any social media. And we have a new coach who just moved to Bakersfield. And she was like, Jason, you don't follow me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't follow any of you guys. Like I followed Josh because me and Josh were friends before he started working here. Right. So I followed Josh. I followed my wife and I don't follow you guys. Right. And so I just, for whatever reason, I like followed Bailey it was like, okay, I'll follow Bailey. And then I was like, well, I guess I got to follow Claire now too. I can't follow one, not the other. But like, but again, they're 22 years, but there's got to be a, I think the coaches just need to say, hey, there's a, we're drawing a line in the sand. I saw a post yesterday um, about, um, who posted it? Becky Herrera posted it about, mm-hmm. um, or reposted it, someone else's post about she was, the the mom was making her daughter walk to school because the, the daughter must've been bullying people or talking back to her or something. Right. Okay. And she's like, she's going to walk to school. I'm going to follow behind her, but she's walking to school till this, you know, girl becomes grateful. She's being ungrateful, unappreciative. And she wrote in there, I am not her friend. I am her mom, you know, and I'm here to, you know, set boundaries. I'm here to teach her how to be, you know, it was a long, post, but just, yep. I'm not her friend. She'll be mad at me for a minute, but she'll get over it and she'll be fine. And she's going to be a better person because of, this not trying you know i don't need to be our athletes friends you know no um i'm their coach yeah go ahead that no you're i mean what you're saying is so important right that hard line of i'm not your friend um and 
people misinterpret that. They go, I'm not your friend, which means I don't care about you. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not your, like, and really, you're not my friend. Mm-hmm. I am your friend. Like, I, mm-hmm. in terms of I'm here to support you, I'm here to care about you as an athlete, but, like, you're not my friend. This is not, a yeah, like, yeah. a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, like, I don't talk to you about my problems. Can you come to yeah. me and say, I'm having a horrible day, this thing happened, and I'm going to give you advice as your mentor? Yes, absolutely. But draw those hard lines and have those standards. And like you said, my kids know that I like I if if the gym follows them, that like that means we can see what they're posting. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't and half the reason I follow them as the gym is then I so I can tag them in things, right? Mm-hmm. So then as the gym we can be like, hey, at so and so, great job on this skill when we post yeah. it on our story. But have those hard lines. And one of those hard lines is just we're not going to have side conversations. So don't DM me. Don't talk to me. Don't send me anything unless mm-hmm. it's, you know, a video that is art. Like you're sending me a video that's already on Instagram. Look at this stunt, right? Send that mm-hmm. to the gym. I'll watch it. Like there are, there are ways to interact appropriately, but it's, it is, it's a challenge. So just make sure there's a very hard line policy in place. Your staff knows it and they know what happens if they break it. Rules. What we're trying to do is create layered protections, right? Um, multiple layers where if these layers get breached, it triggers that what's going on and it triggers the opportunity to either intervene and or um, fire the coach, get rid of the coach before things go further. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said this in other podcasts I've done, but like rules are great but they're only so great as they're enforced and they're followed. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if rules, just the existence of the rule is going to stop people from doing things, then there wouldn't be any physical or sexual abuse because there's already laws against it. Yeah. And those laws are way more significant that those punishments are way more significant than anything we're going to do as a cheer gym. Right. For sure. Which leads me to the next one your staff knows that you wouldn't be afraid to press charges. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you find something out that they've done that is illegal, you will report it to the police. Yeah. And you should have a policy in place that is a physical and sexual abuse policy, like an allegation. Um, and we have one that is like, if there is an allegation, you are immediately suspended, like with, with pay at first for us, right? If mm-hmm. it's just an allegation, the first step is you're suspended with pay and the police are immediately notified. Mm-hmm. Like just hard stop, end of discussion. And then we will also run either if it's, if the police don't take it, we will then run our own internal investigation and determine where to go from there. So you should have a policy in place for that, but they need to understand that you're not going to run interference for them. Yep. And unfortunately, that's what we kind of saw happening in this most recent Mm -hmm. situation uh, was people heard things, people knew things, and they just kind of swept it under the rug for better lack of a better term. Um, Next would be have security cameras that cover your gym. Uh, You should have security cameras in place that record 
uh, everything that goes on in your facility. Um, athletes and parents understand boundaries with coaches. So you have policies for your coaches and for your parents and athletes that make, and you review it with your kids, like with the athletes, Hey, these are the boundaries. These are like, no coaches are not going to give you a ride to practice. doesn't matter. They're not going to give you a ride. Uh, they're, you're not going to be going to a movie with your coach unless it's the whole team, right? Like you're not coaches are not going to be coming over to your house for parties. Uh, you're not going to be with your older teams. You're not going to be drinking with your coach. Um, which although that can happen with younger teams too, but that kind of is an implied, come on, we don't drink with our 15 year old athletes. Um, but you, you educate your, your families and your kids on why that's important. Um, you regularly provide education to parents about new apps and social media platforms, which was our first episode, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a hard one because as we get older and as I get more and more disconnected, like I don't work in the schools anymore, apps start popping up that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. And I used to know about them because I was in the schools. I was like in it. I'd see them all the time. Now I'm like, wait, you got what now? What's this mm-hmm. new thing? For the most part, though, they haven't changed too much. It used to be Wild Wild West where it was like a new app every other week that was coming yeah. out. And and the kind of core ones are still there. It's still Instagram, Snapchat, um, now TikTok, which ugh, <laughs> awful. Uh, I don't have one of those either. Didn't have one. Um, you have one, yes, right? <laughs> Follow me on TikTok, Jason C. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, yeah, <laughs> stick, stick, uh, you know, I would go off on the tangent. You go. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I get it. Like TikTok can be cool. Uh, I'm not saying don't have it, but you should be educating your parents and making sure they understand how those apps work because, yeah. um, it's getting a little bit better as we, as we get to a younger group of parents. But back when you and I first started coaching, you know, we were, we were using those apps ourselves as, you know, young adults, 19, 20 years old, mm-hmm. you know, we're using Facebook. I, w- I mean, I was in college when Facebook first came out, right? Yep. So we kind of came up with these apps. So we're a little more savvy to it, but the new stuff that the kids are using, we're not as savvy mm-hmm. to like yeah. the amount of parents that I talk to and I go, you know, that on Snapchat, like people can track your kid, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. yeah. There's a map tells us exactly where they are. And they're like, Oh my gosh. Um, I, I talked about it in our other episode, you know, it's a, uh, it's a shock when I do this presentation about social media with, with cheer kids. And I'm in a group of, you know, 120 girls and I'm talking about social media and I'm like, raise your hand. If you've ever received an unsolicited picture of, from a guy of their private parts. Yep. And like 75% of the room goes. Yeah. Crazy. Like it, it, they raise their hands and say, yeah, it, I've, I've gotten one. And they just are like, yeah, it's just a part of the part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell that to parents and their mouths hit the floor. Like their jaws just drop. I'm like, this is what your, your daughters um, are, are facing these days. Mm-hmm. And if you don't talk to them and you don't tell them, how to handle those things and how to like that. If that happens, you can tell me and I'm, you're not going to get in trouble with me. 
and we're going to get through it. We'll block them. We'll do all those things, but you need to have those conversations. And, and I, and I'll say this, um, I'm not going to tell this whole story, but we do need to have those conversations with our athletes. Um, you know, I have two teams, the two, the, or the two senior teams we have, right. We have senior four, senior three. And a lot of those kids were on our younger teams, right. At one point, right. They're mm-hmm. on our junior one and our junior two and our youth three, right? And now, and I still look at them as those same little kids, right? Um, but the reality is, is that they're older now and they're getting, I remember just looking at them when I'm like trying to, you know, have a conversation with them. And I'm like, man, never would I have imagined when they were on junior two that these are the types of conversations I would have to have with them now that they're on senior teams, you know? Yep. And, you know, so, so that goes for coaches and parents. Like they're not those little, or at least if you have the older kids, right. They're not those same. We got to take off those lenses sometimes and go, Hey man, these kids are getting older and they're not those same little kids anymore who are just completely innocent. Right. Yep. And as soon as you let them get on social media, as soon as you let them have a social media profile, you've now allowed a bajillion strangers into your house. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't really matter how old they are. Um, I have some of the worst cases I dealt with were kids in sixth and seventh grade mm-hmm. um, because their prefrontal cortex is completely messed up. They make horrible decisions at that age mm-hmm. um, because their brain is remapping itself on decision-making and they're on social media and they're getting messages and, and there are very manipulative people out there who know the right things to say to get kids to engage in behaviors they should not. So um, you can't just go, oh, well, I don't have to worry about it till my kid is, you know, post-puberty. That's... Mm-hmm. Once they have social media, these conversations need to start happening. Yeah, My kids don't have social media because... I'm not going to do it. Not yet. Uh, my oldest is about to, he's in seventh grade and I'm about to start letting him have some stuff mm-hmm. with very strict rules. Snapchat? Uh, I th- nope. <laughs> uh, I think of it like driving, right? You first get your permit, then you get your license and then you get released into the wild. It's going to take longer than that. Cause I don't think we give people long enough driving, but you know, it's, I, I tell kids this too. This is, I'm going off on tangents. Uh, kids come in and they're like, I got my license coach. And I'm like, that's scary. And they're like, no, I'm a good driver. And I go, no, you're not. Yeah. And they're like, no, I am. I'm a good driver. And I go, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how do you know? And I go, okay. Uh, imagine if someone came into the gym today and they said, Hey, and these are, you know, older athletes and I coach level four and level six. So highly skilled kids, but you, this would even work for a level two kid, right? You go, okay. Imagine someone came in and they go, Hey, I want to be on your team. And you go, Oh, okay. Uh, have you cheered before? And they're like, yeah, I did three months of training with my parents and I took a class. (laughs) I took like a a class, a classroom class where I sat down and they, they showed us videos and we talked about cheerleading. And Mm -hmm. so I'm ready to be on your level four team. Yeah. I'm really good. You'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Because it takes time, takes yeah. uh, repetition to learn and make mistakes. So anyways, total, total tangent. 
Um, another thing, this is not as much that something you have to talk about with parents, but if you're a gym owner, have a mentor or an accountability partner who is helping you make sure you implement these things because mm-hmm. there are so many owners with good intentions that because of all of the things that go into running a cheer gym, they just don't get around to these kinds mm-hmm. of changes because yeah. while we all care about the safety of our kids, we that's the last thing to implement because until something bad is happening, it's a very low uh, priority, yeah. right? It's the priority is, oh my gosh, this staff member's sick and I got to run a tumbling class or we mm-hmm. have to choreograph this team's pyramid or those are the things that get the attention because they're the fire right now. But when this, if this fire ever starts for you, you're not going to be able to control yeah. it. So um, I already mentioned it, but you have a written sexual and physical abuse policy. You should have a written policy about relationships with adults and former athletes from your gym. Mm-hmm. Like that's, this is one of those ones that in our industry is kind of wild, but the number of people that are married uh, or dating kids that they used to coach mm-hmm. is a little bit alarming. Mm-hmm. I find it odd. Yeah. So, um, and I think there's right. There's a, you can't be a total jerk about it. Um, cause certainly if someone, okay, yeah, I coached this person and then I ran into them eight years later mm-hmm. and we started talking and, and you got into a relationship. That's one thing, right? Um, and I look back on when I started coaching, you and I both started coaching kind of around the same age. I was 19 years old. And I was coaching a senior age team. I was two years older than some of the kids I coached. Yeah, for sure. So like later in life, that might be, it's also crazy that I even managed to do that without completely epically falling on my face. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it still wouldn't have been appropriate to start dating someone like the year after they graduated. Right. Yeah. And Unfortunately, we've seen situations like that in our industry where it's like they are off the team and suddenly they're a couple. Ooh. Yep. I knew it. I knew, I knew a, uh, a couple of coaches who've been dating for a long time. I'm like, yeah, we've been dating for 10 years, I'm like 10 years. I did some quick math and I'm like, y'all shouldn't have been dating. Y'all should not have been dating for 10 years. Like, <laughs> yep. All right. Okay, uh, you're both of age now, but ten years ago, one of you was not of age. So yeah, so we we have a written policy about this. We've had it for years, um, pretty much since we ever owned the gym, um, and <clears throat> it's you need just need a policy in place. Ours is that there needs to be a minimum of two years separation mm-hmm. um, from the program, and coaches are not allowed to date athletes, even if those athletes are an adult. Gotcha. Like that's a hard no. The only exception we would make for that is if they were already dating and then mm-hmm. someone chose to be on like a, a international team or something yeah. like that. Um, that would be a little different. We wouldn't be like break up, but we probably mm-hmm. would not have that person coaching that team anyways. Cause who wants to coach their significant other? Like, could you imagine trying to coach your wife? <laughs> 
I'm going to try. You would be in the doghouse every day. Yeah. Like, she's point center jumps, guys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. She gets whatever she wants, guys. Why? Sorry. Have you met my wife? Like, yeah. that's why. I don't want to sleep on the couch. For sure. Even though that couch behind you looks very comfortable. It is very comfortable. I don't spend too much time on it. It is a comfortable couch. Uh, you have a written policy on travel and transportation. We've kind of already talked about that um, in terms of you're not um, you're not driving kids places. Uh, you're I, the only way I'd ever drive athletes somewhere is if I had ten athletes in a van, mm-hmm. right? Like that's different. I would do that at Worlds, big giant van, and we drive the kids. You know, two things. But I'm not picking a kid up and bringing them to practice. I'm, it's not one on one. It's not even two on one. It's like half the team or more. <clears throat> and so Dan, this is a true story. This is very true. This is when I'm coaching college. We're um, we're wait- it's our choreographer's fault. We're waiting on our choreographer. He's late. It's not Brendan Matthews for people who know. Um, it was not Brendan Matthews, but we're waiting for a choreographer to show up. And and so I'm like, man, he's like 30 minutes late now. And so I don't want to just like stand there and do nothing. And so I'm like, all right, guys, let's start warming some skills up. And we start warming up baskets. And we're war- and this college-level baskets, right? Right. And I don't know what basket we threw, but we threw some basket. Girl gets her teeth knocked out, right? Like, grill's all messed up. She's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. I'm the only coach there. Our other coach was um, – I'm not really sure where Tammy was, but Tammy was not there. So it's just me and the girls – and this girl's teeth are, you know, she's bl- bloody and bruised. And she needs to go to the trainer immediately. And I'm thinking, and I said, here, you can take my car. I was like, I am not getting in a, a car alone with you. And that's exactly where my mm-hmm. mind went. I don't care how bloody you are. I'm not getting in a car alone with you by myself. So I remember, and she looked at me like, are you kidding me right now? And I can't remember how we solved the problem. But I just remember like my natural instinct was, yeah, yeah I, I don't care what's going on. I am not getting alone in a, in a car with a female athlete of mine. Yep, um, there's... There's no reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I would if it was Sorry, like Rachel. literally life or death. Mm-hmm. I might do that. But otherwise, I'm just not doing it. And mm-hmm. and this goes even further in terms of travel policies. But you should have a policy in place uh, in regard to travel that is uh, focused on what happens when you are at events, right? What are your policies around being in hotels and what is allowable, which should be essentially nothing, right? Like team meetings mm-hmm. need to occur in public places. You're not ever going into athletes' rooms uh, without mm-hmm. a parent present or another adult present. Like, And even then, that should be for like a very short period of time to maybe tape an ankle or mm-hmm. check on a kid that's throwing up, like limited circumstances that you would ever enter an athlete's room. Like you just need to have those policies in place. And this is not just for men. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I, I see and hear all the time is like, well, I'm a female. Mm-hmm. Okay. That doesn't mean that there can't be allegations. That doesn't mean that things can't, um, occur and so and vice versa oh well my coaches are all females so I don't have to worry about anything that's not it's not true yeah so you can't just rely on that to make sure that nothing bad happens 
100 percent party people <laughs> no parties yeah. uh <laughs> you provide ongoing education to athletes which we already have talked about a lot of that stuff um if you are like a one person, a one man show gym or a one man coach gym, think about adding personnel to your roster that can come to the warm ups and like be a part of the process. So you're not the only adult. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do this because our entire staff goes to the warm up room. So like, mm-hmm. I don't want personnel. I have ten people there already. Yeah. Um, annually review your athlete protection policies which is just every year you need to go over that stuff. Um, and then our last one just for owners is that you're not coaching every class in your gym. Um, that is one of the biggest things we see is owners are so busy working in their gym that they're not able to enforce these rules and check on these things. Like you, you don't know what's going on when your entire focus is coaching. Mm-hmm. So we certainly encourage owners to not be the only ones doing that stuff. So that's our checklist. And it took us a little while to go through it. And so this may not have been as juicy of a conversation. So we can get to some of the juicy fun stuff uh, here. (laughs) Uh, But. So, well, then let's. uh, Should we go to what should gyms tell their parents? Yeah. So. That was a really long, I went through a really long checklist that was mostly gym owners. I apologize for those of you not gym owners, but what you should be talking to your parents about is these are the the safety protocols we have in place. And And real quick, just uh, now that you said this, for the parents that listen, especially I get a lot of most, not yeah, probably most of my listeners are parents. Um, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, But for the parents that listen, you know, if you have a gym owner, you know, send this episode over to them. You know, and just, you know, don't do it in a harsh way and go, hey, but hey, I thought you might find this episode interesting about protecting the athletes in the gym about policies. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So what they should be communicating to parents and what all of us should be striving to communicate to parents is a lot of the stuff we talked about was like parent education, parent communication. But we should also be communicating. These are our safety protocols that we have in place. Like, let your parents know we have, hey, we have security cameras. We have a you know, two parent or a two adult policy. We have a travel policy. We have all of these things in place, all of these layers of protection to protect your athletes. And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, you should be communicating to your parents that you are going to be chatting with their athletes because you should talk to your kids. I will tell you when this all came out, like the, the first day, the first lawsuit dropped and Mm -hmm. they did the big press conference. Um, I talked to both of my teams and I said, look, you, I, I want you to understand, like, I just, I think you already know, but some of you are new. So I want you to, I want to echo, you have the right to be in this gym and be safe from, from harm. Mm -hmm. Uh, No coach should ever be partying with you that no coach should ever be um, touching you in a manner that makes you uncomfortable, um, inviting you to things that make you uncomfortable like you have the right to be free from physical and sexual abuse at all times and absolutely within this gym too Mm -hmm. and i am here for you i have an open door policy if you report something to me i will take it seriously 
I will support you and it will not be ignored. Um, and telling your parents that too, this, we will not ignore these things. Um, and I, I think it's just important to tell people what you're doing. And lastly, what you should be communicating is you should be talking a little bit about what happened, mm-hmm. what protocols maybe weren't followed, and what are risk factors that they should also look out for for their kids outside of the gym. Because yeah. this is not an isolated incident in cheerleading. These kind of incidents happen in churches, in baseball, in swimming, in other sports, in schools. These are things that you should be aware of and looking for to make sure your kids are not victimized by Mm -hmm. adults. Yeah. Those would be the main things I would cover. Um, We had also talked yesterday a little bit about talking to your parents about the, the concerns that we all have of, What's going to happen next in the industry? Yeah. Um, you know, I've had, I've had coaches. In fact, one of my coaches last night literally turns to me and goes, so what do you think is going to happen? Like what's going to happen with USASF and varsity? They're getting sued like hard. How's the industry going to come out of this one? And if we're having those fears and concerns, it's very likely our parents are too. And so talking to them about that. And the answer is generally, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the answer of what the long term is. But at the moment, we're going to proceed um, proceed as we have, whether that is if you work with Varsity and USASF uh, or you use IEPs, whatever it is that you do, you communicate those things to your families. You know, out here on the, the West Coast, California may be a little bit different, but we don't have a ton of options. In the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest, it is it is varsity dominated. Yeah. Um, that's those are our competitions. Um so we communicate that to our parents. And my personal opinion, lawsuits take a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh so I personally don't see varsity or USASF disappearing tomorrow. You know? Yeah. I, I just don't I don't see that happening. Um and so I 100% so, think this season will happen. Here's a question. Um, you know, we've seen lots of lots of gym owners just say, you know, with all these things that have happened, we're done with USASF, we're done with varsity. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen any event producers. Well, I guess they can't, they don't really have the option to do that. Oh, I guess they have the option of leaving USASF. I was going to say varsity. Um I was thinking varsity in general, mm-hmm. um, but not USA, but they could leave USASF. But I haven't seen any event producers leave USASF yet because of these things. But I see lots of gyms saying that we're not going to attend their events. Um, so I guess the first question is, what do you think we should expect from a governing, a governing body as far as this is, you know, these types of for protection or allegation? What are your thoughts in general? Yeah. Um, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I think from a governing body, what we should expect is, um, uh, clear communication of reasonable and enforceable rules and expectations. Um, 
excuse me, sorry. Uh, some of the rules that initially came out, like with social media, I immediately read and I said, how are you going to enforce this? Mm-hmm. Like, how are, how are you as a, as a governing body gonna dictate uh, and, and actually police what's going on on social media? Like, they just mm-hmm. don't have the capabilities to do that. Um, now, they can have a, a policy and an expectation of you should not do this, and if it gets reported, these are the potential consequences. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should, we should expect a reasonable um, and athlete-focused rules and expectations in place. Uh, and we should expect um, clear and consistent and, again, athlete-focused enforcement of those rules and expectations. Um, generally speaking, uh, and I'm going to be, I'm a little bit in the minority here. The USASF should not be the clearinghouse for allegations of physical and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. They should be notified, but they are not a police agency. They are not an investigative agency. An investigation into an allegation of physical or sexual abuse is incredibly difficult and incredibly complicated. And oftentimes it is very much a, um, they said, they said conversation where there may not be any evidence of what is being alleged. Law enforcement agencies are far more equipped to do those investigations than a cheerleading governing body. Mm-hmm. So for those kind of allegations, what really should be occurring is that should be reported to law enforcement. And if it comes to USASF, they can say, this was reported to us. Mm-hmm. You need to do an investigation. But how are they supposed to do that if it's everyone's anonymous? Yeah. Right? If someone submits a anonymous complaint with the exception of the coach or the owner or the person, Hey, I'm alleging that they did this thing, but no other details. You can't talk to the athlete. You can't talk to the witnesses. Nothing will happen. Like, so we also have to be willing to step up and give clear and consistent information. Um, but the last thing we should expect from them. And and I personally think they should be doing is, um, following having a more robust enforcement of their suspensions and ineligibility mm-hmm. because right now the suspensions and eligibility, which was kind of the problem that's being alleged at the moment with what happened with, um, well, I think we can say his name. It's pretty public with Scott Foster mm-hmm. is he was suspended, but he was still coaching. Mm-hmm. He was still coaching a team and that team still competed Um, he was still coaching multiple teams. He was still in his gym all the time. And there was no, there was no enforcement of like, look, if you have an, an employee coaching who is suspended for violation of athlete safety, if that person is coaching, then your gym is not eligible. Mm -hmm. Right? Like what that is, that's kind of the baffling part. How, like all we were doing was making sure he couldn't go in the warm up room. Yeah. Like that's where some of the confusion is from a lot of people. And uh, again, it's hard to police because how are they going to know if he's at going to the gym? Mm -hmm. But that should be, in my opinion, 
that should be the rule. If you're suspended, that means you're done. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't get a coach. Um, especially if you're suspended for athlete protection, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's some wild stuff. So I think that's, that's really what we should expect. Um, and hopefully we, we, I know some people are a little frustrated with the USASF right now because they recently did, I think just the other day, they did kind of a, a zoom conference call, something like that. I don't know if you were on it. Um, I wasn't. I just, I just heard, I saw everyone complain about it on ASGA. Yeah. So I saw some complaints about it and a lot of like, well, they didn't, they didn't answer any of the questions about, you know, what's going on and what happened. They're not going to like, they're being sued. Anything they say publicly is now admissible. So Mm -hmm. under advice of their attorney, they're not going to say anything about what happened. Um, and you can like that or not, like from a, from a, I'm a good person standpoint, I would want to answer all those questions if I was in those shoes, but I would also want to follow my attorney's advice as well. Yep. So, and, and the risk is that someone says something that they, that is taken out of context and attorneys are really good at that. So they have to be very cautious what I do think they should have done a better job of was answering the questions of where do we go from here? These are the Mm -hmm. changes that you can expect to see coming because I wasn't on the call, but my understanding is they didn't really answer that. They didn't really Mm -hmm. say, these are the things that we're doing different to make things better. Yeah. Um, But I think they got way out over their skis. I I talked to USASF. I was actually presenting at the USASF conference when all of the athlete protection stuff really started to be a focus Mm -hmm. and they, they started their online reporting system. And I told them, I said, you're running some serious risk here. You like, you do not want to be the clearinghouse for allegations of child and physical, physical and sexual abuse. That is risky because you're not, you're not set up for it. Mm Mm-hmm. You're just not, if you're going to do that, you need to have a team of like 15 to 20 people that that is their job Yeah. to, to look into these allegations and you're not, you're not built for that. It is, it's just so complex and the police are much better suited to do those investigations. So they should be investigating the coaches recruiting or coach sent message, like maybe violation of social media policy where you have Mm -hmm. screenshots and stuff. Those are things that they should vet, but anything regarding physical and sexual abuse, they should have a policy in place, right? Allegation of physical and sexual abuse uh, comes in. That coach is notified that there is a credible allegation that's being referred to law enforcement and they are currently temporarily ineligible Mm -hmm. um, pending the results of the investigation. It's really simple. Like it's, it's not overly complicated, and that should be almost an immediate action. And when and you then, say ineligible, you mean you mean they shouldn't be coaching in the gym for that duration of time. Yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, it's I I get that it would suck if it was a false allegation. Mm-hmm. Like I totally get that that perspective. Um, but if our goal is to protect athletes, and that's our number one goal, then that should be our action. Now that temporarily ineligibility could be very short lived. If it gets reported to law enforcement and USASF reports it 
and USASF says, or the law enforcement says, we don't have a, a victim name. Uh, we don't have enough information. We're going to, you know, clear this as information only. Then the report has been made. Law enforcement said there's nothing that they can investigate. And then the coach can be mm-hmm. reinstated pending further information. Yeah. But like the USASF is not built to no cheer gym. E- even you as a gym, you're not built to investigate these things. Mm-hmm. I'm a police officer. If an allegation was made about one of my staff, they would be immediately suspended with pay and I would refer it to law enforcement. Yeah. Not me. Cause that's, that's not my job. And I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, I'm biased. I'm either biased to the coach or I'm biased to the kid or I'm biased both ways. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be, you want an unbiased impartial party to come in and investigate this. Yep. So there we go. So here's the next thing. Um, USASF people, lots of, lots of coaches owners saying we're no longer going to do USASF varsity events because we think that that, that this system has failed us. Mm-hmm. And they're hopping on, you know, WASF. And we just had Les on the show. His show mm-hmm. actually just released, so it'll probably be two weeks from now when you guys are listening to this. Um, but, you know, people want to go and say, hey, we're going to go the, the WASF route, and this is going to be what we're going to do. Do you think, again, and I think I think if, if someone has a chance to make this happen, it is with Les Stella behind it. But sure. do you think that they are equipped right now to take on – to deal with these things better right now, right today than the USASF is as far as allegations that come in. Uh, I don't know their systems, but I would just venture to say no. Yeah. Um, I, I know very little about their, their program. I've done a little bit of research, but I just, they're new, right? And they're, they're just getting started and it takes time to build up that infrastructure and get those things in place. So uh, I I don't think they are, and I mentioned this on an episode that I recently did. But at the end of the day, the it's not the governing body's job um, to protect the athletes. It's our job as owners. Mm-hmm. Like the governing body has a role, but we have a much more important role in that factor. And um, and, and it's us as owners and us as an industry as a whole. But if we're if we're waiting for Big Brother, the WASF, the USASF, whatever, to be the person to make that that change, we're gonna just keep waiting. Yeah, because um, if this was a simple solution, there wouldn't be child physical and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Like I was investigating on average twelve to twenty five. Uh, allegations a year yeah um working in the schools and not all of them were ended up being valid um but numerous and realistically this is a little bit of a tangent but the biggest risk for kids coaches are a risk right they're in, kind of in their inner circle coaches teachers um pastors anyone who has direct access but the vast majority of investigations I did were into like immediate family members, um, people who had immediate access to, to the kids. So 
Um, that is why coaches are a risk factor because they do have immediate access, but I didn't investigate a lot of coaches and teachers. I investigated a lot of, um, a lot of probably 25% kind of stranger met on social media. Mm -hmm. And then the rest were uncles, cousins, uh, step parents, those kind of things. So, um, there are other things to be aware of. Obviously we're talking about our industry as a whole, but like the, the biggest intervention that we need to be making is at the, like that immediate level of, cause what, what's the USASF going to do? They're react, they have policies in place, but if we're not enforcing those policies or the WASF, if we're not enforcing those policies, if we're not staying engaged in protecting our athletes, then we're getting mad at them for things happening, but they're reactive at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Was, was Amy Clark at, Rockstar every day, seeing what was going on. Yeah. Right. They're, they're the higher level entity. That would be like, you know, as a police officer, that was one of the most frustrating things. I couldn't ever stop these things from happening the first time I could stop them from happening again, which is kind of where the, the frustration is that that could have been changed. But we at the immediate level of being the coaches and the owners who are, you know, working with these kids daily, it's our job to protect them yeah. and prevent this from happening so they don't have to investigate these allegations. I don't know. That was kind of a long rambling answer. No, you're the man. People want to hear you talk. So people, <laughs> um, I get a, I get a, um, an athlete comes up to me, coach, um, X, Y, and Z. This has happened to me you know, touch inappropriately, whatever happened. So, you know, a, a kid comes to me with an allegation. What do I then do as a gym owner, as a coach? Um, so my responses are basic, basically this. First and foremost, I want to thank you for trusting me to bring this information to me. And I, uh, I, I thank you for that. And I am going to take that trust very seriously Uh, and because you're telling me this, I want to make sure that you are safe moving forward. Uh, and so these are the steps that we need to take to ensure your safety. So if you're talking about, I was touched inappropriately, um, I need to, I'm going to have to let the police know. Um, and depending on who was, who was doing said touching, uh, I'm going to need, to get your parents involved. And I know that that can be really scary, but I'll be here with you, um, to, to talk with them. And, uh, I just want you to understand that I, I'm so glad that you've, I'm so thankful that you've told me. Um, and my number one focus is on keeping you safe from this moment forward. And we're going to, I'm going to be with you as much as I can through this process. Um, to make sure that you're safe and everyone else is safe. Kind of leave it at that. You don't want to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, not a lot of, well, where did it happen? How did they touch you? Where did they touch you? That is not your job. Yeah. Um, and it is, um, it's a very complex dealing with these kind of things is very, very complex. Um, and conducting 
child interviews is very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to be very cautious in what we, what we prime them with. Um, one of the reasons we don't want to ask a lot of questions is if you ask a ton of questions and you kind of, what kids are uh, oftentimes will do is they will give the answer they think you want to hear, mm-hmm. or they'll embellish things a little bit to, because they think that's what you're wanting them to do. Yeah. They're trying to kind of sell their story. And what that can do is you then tell the police that, and then the police note that in their report. And then the kiddo goes to a forensic interviewer and doesn't say things that way or changes the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now that leaves an opening of an inconsistency yep. in reporting. And yep. that opens things up for a skilled attorney to say, this kid made it all up. They made it yep. all up to impress their coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to go on a huge story tangent, but I had this happen. That exact thing happened to me as a police officer. I had an athlete that um, I met as a school resource officer. Great kiddo. She ended up cheering at our gym for one year. Um, in that year, I ran into her. We were at a competition and I ran into her down in the lobby and she was talking to a former athlete who was an adult, like mm-hmm. 20 years old. And I walked right up to them and I said, this is not okay. You're way too young. You're way too old. This is a hard no. Mm-hmm. Do not. And I literally looked him in the eyes and I said, if you do this, I, you will get arrested. Yeah. Well, they didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she eventually reported it to me about two years later. Went all the way to trial. Mm-hmm. He was acquitted because the attorney made the argument of she wanted to she wanted to make her coach happy. So she made this all up because she knew that he didn't like him and yada, 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 yada. And the jury bought it. Crazy. I disagree. I don't think she made anything up. Um, And, you know, here, here we were got acquitted and she's looking at me going, what happened? Why didn't they believe me? It was, it was my fault. And where I erred, as a, as a police officer is as soon as she said, yes, something happened. I should have said hard stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you any more questions. We're going to, I'm going to de- hand this off to somebody else. Yeah. That, so that was my fault, right? I messed that one up. Um, I opened the door for that and we can very easily put ourselves in the same situation. You also so, don't, don't want to hear those details. It's, it's traumatizing to have one yeah. of your kids talk about that stuff with you. So an athlete comes up to me, do I immediately go to law enforcement or to the parents first? I know they're probably back to back, but which one would you say first? It depends who the allegation is against. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say it's a not, I'll ask you later about a, an, a coach at the gym, but let's say it's not a coach at the gym. It's um, just, you know. I would go to law enforcement first, mm-hmm. especially if they don't tell you who it was. Yeah. Um, Going to the parents has some risk in that it could be the parent. Mm -hmm. I know this is, that's a really hard thing to hear. Um, I've investigated those crimes, even a biological parent, it can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't necessarily want to get them involved. Additionally, 
Um, I've had situations where um, it was maybe a, a biological brother or a stepbrother mm-hmm. and the parents get involved and they completely mm-hmm. can tank that investigation because they want to protect yeah. the other kid who mm-hmm. they know is going to get arrested and charged with serious crimes. So if it's not, well, either way, law enforcement is probably your first notification. Mm-hmm. Um, and then parents second, yeah. um, unless it's like, if it's a stranger thing, like I was walking to the gym and someone came up and touched me inappropriately. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a simultaneous notification. Hey, yeah. you call the police and let them know we had something happen. I'm going to call the parents. Yep. You know, like you can do that, but you, you want to be cautious on notifying yep. parents. Okay. And now a, a parent comes up to me, right? Parent, maybe the daughter's there too, son. And they go, Hey, one of your coaches did X, Y, Z. You know, my daughter just told me one of your coaches did X, Y, Z. So what's our next step? Um, so, it, uh, obviously kind of depends on what the allegation is. Uh, if it's an allegation of uh, coach pushed them, mm-hmm. I think you're, you're good to look into that. Right. And mm-hmm. ask some questions and say, okay, well, well tell me what happened. Tell me about that. Um, and kind of look into it. Cause it might not even elevate to the level of being criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, if it's sexual in nature, uh, that is a, a hard stop. Basically what I just said, thank you for telling me that. Um, we, because of that allegation, we need to report this to the police. We're not equipped to investigate this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think some people will say, well, I don't want them to get arrested. That's not what we're looking for. That's okay. You can determine like, that's for something you to work out with the police, but we're not an investigative agency. That's Mm -hmm. not what we do. That's not what we're trained in. We need to defer this to to the police. They have better resources for it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like you can deferring to police is like it's the ultimate passing off of the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and liability. You've done everything right at that point. You also do need to make a report to your child protective services, DHS, in any of these circumstances. You mm-hmm. should be cross reporting to Child Protective Services, DHS, and letting them know of that allegation. Mm-hmm. <coughs> law, law enforcement can do it as well, <clears throat> but it's just better to, uh, for a mandatory reporter's sake, to cover your bases by cross-reporting. And real quick, so if that happens, um, parent comes up to you, hey, this uh, one of your coaches, something sexual in nature with my uh, my child, my athlete. Is that when you would immediately suspend the coach until further information comes out? Yep. Okay. As much as it sucks, yes. Yeah. Because if you don't and you go, well, there's an allegation, but we don't know, so we're going to let them keep coaching. (laughs) And then uh, come to find out it was credible. And in that time after you know to when you find out it's credible, they do something else. Mm Mm-hmm you are a hundred percent liable for that. Yeah. In my opinion. And I, I think it would stand up in court because you had information and you didn't act on it. So yeah, your best bet is to suspend them. And that's why we do suspended with pay mm-hmm. 
to yeah. be considerate of the fact that, okay, if it comes out that it was not accurate or it was embellished. Now, where we really get into the kind of the muddy water is people go, okay, well, what if it's a third party? Mm-hmm. What if it's not parent and it's not kids saying this happened? What if it's Sarah who heard it from Susie that Stephanie was mm-hmm. over at Coach's house and they did something bad? Yeah. So n- now, okay, that's a lot. That's rumor mill. At that point, Mm -hmm. it can get a little bit more complicated there. Um, There are a couple ways to go about that. Um, One would be to just report it to law enforcement. Hey, we have this allegation and then let law enforcement go through the chain. Uh, Your other option is to go. You go down that chain and you go to Susie, uh, or I can't remember which which order I went in yeah. of the S names, but you go to the number two person and you say, uh, I've heard that you told someone uh, some information about this person and co- their coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. I don't know what you're talking about. Are you sure? Like, you're not going to get in trouble. You can tell me. Um, see what they say. And then go to potential victim athlete and maybe the parent like get the parent involved and say hey this i've heard a rumor of this um is there any anything i need to know yeah and give them the opportunity to report um and if they report something then we launch into our our procedure we already mentioned if they say no that's complete nonsense that never happened i don't know what you're talking about then you know you document it You have a meeting with the coach. Hey, these are some things that came out. I want to stress that you're on, like, if this was happening, these are the things that would occur. Mm -hmm. And if I get any credible information, these are the things that will occur. Yep. Like, but uh, obviously we can't just fire people before rumor and innuendo because we all know how that stuff works, especially in this industry. There we go. All right. Um, I don't even know what else we need to to talk about. Well, I don't know, but you're getting close to your, uh, your leaving time. Oh yeah, I am. Dude, we've been on here for a minute. A minute. Yes. (laughs) A minute. We Um, have been on here for a minute. I don't, I don't know if there's anything else we need to talk about, uh, in regard to this. I've, one of these days we have to get on and talk about not just athlete safety, although it's my specialty. Um, it's not the most fun conversation. Yeah. We'll talk about some actual cheerleading one of these days. Um, um, the, the biggest thing is we all have to work together to protect our athletes. Like parents have to be engaged. Owners have to be engaged. Coaches have to be engaged and we have to be engaged over time. We can't just go, okay, we were good for one year. No, it, it takes ongoing supervision, ongoing effort, ongoing care and consideration to ensure athlete safety. And the last thing I would say is if you're not a parent and you're an owner or a coach or someone in the industry, as I mentioned in my other episode, we have to do better. Yeah. Like you and I came up in the era where we talked about it the other day and we don't need to go into great detail, but an era where it was the wild, wild West, like Mm -hmm. cheer was basically a frat party. Yeah. Um, and I think it's gradually gotten better over the years, but there's still a lot of that kind of underlying culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've got to do better and we can't 
we can't continue to excuse bad behavior because people are great choreographers or great coaches um, in terms of getting skills. Um, we have to we have to elevate the people in our industry who are people of good character. Yeah. So that's, I'll that's where we need to go. Quick. Um, before we hop off, there is an episode. The episode that you and I did together. I will link that on my side. I'll link that below because that was really good. And that if you're a parent, that's an episode that you 100 percent want to listen to. We brought Dan on to our Facebook group and he talked to parents about how to protect their athletes, basically. So if you're a parent and you want to know how to better protect your athletes from just the dangers of social media, that's an episode you want to listen to. And then I'll also link below Dan's episode that he released um, a week ago, maybe two, three weeks ago by the time you listen to this about um, it, basically your initial reaction after all this news came out. And so I thought that mm. was really, really good. I thought that was really, really good. So that's a quick Thank listen, you. 15, you know, 20 minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, it's a quick one. So, um, you know, those will both be in the show notes. And dude, Dan, as always, thanks for coming on. Next time we'll actually talk some cheerleading, I promise. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for all the valuable information that you shared. I hope this episode truly has a positive impact on the industry everywhere everyone else thank you for joining us share this podcast leave a five-star rating leave a review take the survey make a donation until next time five six seven eight we're out hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin. Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.